welcome into another episode of Exhibit AOK. Uh, myself, Harrison Cooper, and my co-host, Laura Fitzgerald Hushek, are thrilled to be joined by our guest this week, Karima Saad. Karima is a lawyer practicing in Toronto and uh, someone who I've been following on Twitter for a, a, quite a long time. She's got a lot of great insight, information, opinions available on Twitter, and I'm always excited to see what she is posting about. So I'm thrilled to be able to ask questions of her and, and be joined by her today on this podcast. Welcome, Karima. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. So I want to just get into a bit of a background for you, just because you, you do practice in an interesting area and you have a unique way of delivering news to your existing clients and your prospective future clients. One of the things that I came across while I was researching uh, for this podcast episode is that your frequently asked questions page about landlord and tenant law is actually a graphic novel full of cartoons. And instead of just going through a list of, of frequently asked questions, you just have a cartoon set up of, of here's what you need to know if you are a landlord or a tenant. I have a lot of fun with marketing and legal education information. And so this idea is actually something that way before I was in law school or a lawyer, um, I interned with a human rights law organization in India. And one of the projects that I worked on was how do we convey information about this new domestic violence bill to people who might have limited literacy skills. And, and one of the ideas we brainstormed was through images as kind of a, a comic, um, a, a graphic novel of sorts. Uh, and that's always stuck with me because it was a successful initiative. And fast forward to today, and I'm thinking about the ways that I absorb information, and especially if it's a, a complex area, maybe even just something that you're not familiar with, um, and and I am a visual person. So, so that's kind of how that all came about. I was lucky to um, meet someone who's able to execute the illustrations I have in my mind, um, even better than I conceptualize them. And yeah, that that's, uh, it, it kind of, it started with legal information and has since evolved a little bit uh, past that. They're amazing. I, I read through all of them. I never would have thought I'd know so much about landlord and tenant law, but when it's presented in that fashion, it's easy to just keep going from one thing to the next. I'm so glad to hear that. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Uh, what other areas do you practice? I, I noticed a couple other things on your website and I wanted to get into uh, one in particular, I guess I'll lead you down that path, is cannabis law. What are you involved with and, and how, does that, uh, how did you come about that? So my primary areas are housing and criminal, and cannabis intersects with both of those. Um, so I do some work on defending people charged under the Cannabis Act or um, any sort of related legislation. Um, and on the housing side of things, I consult with landlords, tenants, condo boards, um, anyone who is having a cannabis-related conflict um, that could be growing, smoking, um, you know, people, I, I work on both sides of the issue. So it's uh, a lot about finding kind of common ground and compromise. 
And how have you found that the areas of your practice have differed or perhaps even stayed the same um, in the ongoing pandemic? I know access to secure housing is probably more crucial now than ever, as well as um, any, any concerns within the criminal justice system. So what is life looking like for you and your practice? A lot of things were put on pause. Um, and on the housing side, that's good and bad because there is a moratorium on evictions right now, which as you point out, we don't really want people in the midst of the public health crisis to be out of home. Um, I mean, practically speaking, that's meant that I'm not doing a lot of hearings at the tribunal. They're just doing um, a smattering of, of phone hearings for urgent issues. Um, and on the criminal side of things, there's a, a lot of things that are, are paused uh, indefinitely. And there are certain steps that can be done in the meantime, like disclosure review and reaching out to crowns and like trying to get things maybe moving in a more out of court uh, direction. Um, but the uncertainty, I suppose, is, is one commonality and just not really being sure how much of the, the modernization are we going to stick with when it's over um, and what will these systems look like because there's going to be a backlog and you know that that's a serious access to justice issue. Right. And is there any sort of concern that once the moratorium on evictions lifts, that there might just be an absolute onslaught or it, that's just not an area I know very much about? I, I think that that's exactly what's going to happen. Um, things were clogged up before we hit COVID-19. So there are cases that are being rescheduled till sort of question mark. And then a whole bunch of new cases that cropped up during this time. Um, some of them dealing with rent because people obviously have more difficult financial situations, but all, all types of, of matters. Um, and you know, the, there's not really any clarity from the government about what's expected of people. So it's being left to the hands of individual landlords and individual tenants, even though it's a very widespread problem. And someone's going to get the short end of the stick in, in virtually every situation. Who that will be, it, it depends. Yeah, unfortunately, our civil jury and you know civil trial system is, is also quite backlogged. And who knows? when trials are going to be up and running but you know it was it was slow system to begin with and, and throw in all these other delays it, it's going to be interesting to see how we are able to adapt and evolve moving forward yeah it's the disruption that none of us could have planned but you know maybe will be a catalyst for some of the changes that that were long overdue absolutely yeah the modernization of, of e-hearings and being able to get affidavits sworn by video conferencing, all of those things are silver linings coming out of this. But um, yeah, absolutely. The reason I asked about cannabis is because, you know, in, in our civil cases, we were personal injury lawyers, as you know, and it used to be that judges and juries didn't think too favorably of, you know, people who had been injured by the negligence of somebody else and using cannabis as a form of pain relief or for a treatment of any one of their ailments or, or injuries or impairments, symptoms, what have you. Um, but through time, through the evolution and understanding about the use of cannabis, it's now widely accepted. And, and many of our clients are able to use cannabis 
for pain relief as prescribed by doctors, um, paid for through their accident benefits, and um, no longer do judges or juries think any less of plaintiffs who use that uh, as a form of pain relief. So it's excellent to see that you're involved in that side of things as well. I never would have considered that element of stigma. That's really interesting. Um, Huh. So basically your client would be someone who was injured and then because they treat with a specific way, people like they could be penalized for that. Yeah. Unfortunately, as it was, there was without a doubt a stigma surrounding the use of marijuana versus prescription painkillers that were provided by a, a treating doctor. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's uh, ironic in kind of the opioid crisis as well. Like it, I'm glad that those attitudes are shifting um, and, you know, better late than never, but a, a lot of progress to be made and, and really considering like what's dangerous and what's our harm threshold because, you know, alcohol, caffeine, sugar, like there's all sorts of substances that we consume that are arguably more harmful than cannabis. Absolutely. It's uh sometimes the line seems more arbitrary than, than others, but at least we're trending in the right direction. Outside of the main practices of your legal career that we've spoken about, you obviously have a robust Twitter presence. Uh, so what sort of causes or areas are you active in outside of the, the main practice areas of criminal and housing law along with your cannabis practice? I think a lot of the the things I'm interested in are interrelated. I think housing and criminal justice are sort of two lenses into some of the disparities that exist in in our society and um, sort of the lack of justice that exists if um, you're poor or racialized or disabled or and the list goes on. but I, I mean, I'm always very interested to hear about employment issues, um, you know, immigration issues. Th- those are areas that I don't, family law, child protection, um, I don't engage in, in or practice in those areas, um, but it, it is all very interrelated. And I, I guess, broadly speaking, um, anything that touches on some of the systemic issues, um, because there are common threads that we can identify and try to unpack and maybe even disrupt. Um, you know, that's, that's what my feed is, is about. So I, I follow a lot of um, voices that kind of teach me about history that maybe we weren't taught in school um, or um, insights into different political theories um, and, and, frame of, of reference. Um, yeah, um, a, a lot of Indigenous, Black, um, trans, that, that's kind of, Twitter's been a very nice insight into what's not mainstream. So we're recording this episode on Wednesday, June 3rd in the afternoon. And this podcast and this series was meant to be a distraction from all the the terrible things happening during COVID. And that was what we first started as. We would be loath to miss the opportunity to comment on what's been happening in recent events. And although I'm I'm not trying to get political, but I think it's important that we um, discuss 
what's happened following the death of George Floyd in, in Minnesota and the woman in Toronto, uh, Regis Korchinski Paquette. Um, I've been following that closely. I was deeply troubled and, and saddened by seeing the video of, of George Floyd's death. Um, do you have any comments or anything you'd like to share uh, on the subject? I don't mean to put you on the spot or anything like that. No, I think that this is, it's time for a reckoning. And I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned um, Regis because I think one of my observations in, in seeing people's reaction to what's going on, um, you know, there's a sense of that is the States, that's really bad, thank goodness we're in Canada. And I think that that's a false security blanket in a lot of ways, um, because the the problems that are endemic to policing in the United States, um, it, it's similar to the issues we're facing here. And you know, it, it's we need to maybe challenge. I use we also kind of in a in a broad sense. Um, but there are certain assumptions um, and myths that we are told and accept um, that, that need to be challenged. And the notion of how do we deliver safety to communities without terrorizing or oppressing or uh, actually making people more unsafe and, you know, critically examining some of these big concepts um, it, it's it's time, uh, and I, I think you know it, it has been time. Um, so if it takes a, an uprising in the mid of a like a midst of a pandemic um, to to really put the eyes on that issue, um, that's you know we just need to advance the conversation further, and hopefully not in a way that you know maybe temporarily focuses on these different perspectives, but then it's back to business as usual. Because, uh, you know, if nothing else, COVID is showing us that the status quo does not work for so many people. I agree uh, with everything that you said. And I'd like to pick up specifically on something you said at the beginning of your comments, which is that Canadians often default to, to a, a comforting statement, which is that we're better than the States we don't have the same level of problems, but that's not good enough. We can be better. We can demand better from ourselves, from our colleagues, from our friends, from our family. And defaulting to that old statement, I think is, is detrimental to moving these things forward. And so my goal in, in asking you that question and, and my goal personally moving forward is to try to amplify this message and, and have a discussion that, will go on past once, you know, the, this initial reaction has kind of died off. So thank you for that comment. And, and I just wanted to share that with you and with our listeners as well. Thank you. Yeah. And piggyback on that as well. I mean, the, the sense of, I guess, false security for Canadians that were, that everything's fine at home. I mean, we've also all seen the video of the Canadian woman in Central Park um, and basically using the a call to the police as a threat, knowing pretty much full well what that the ramifications could be. So that that's something I think as well that really brings it home. Um, in terms of things happening at home, we obviously know that there was the uh, protest and solidarity march in Toronto, both for Regis and also 
in support of um, George Floyd and the larger Black Lives Matter cause. Um, if someone is, you know, coming about now and trying to learn more information, um, are you aware of any, you know, strong resources within Canada where we can look as Canadians of what we should be doing better? I think a great starting point um, is uh, there, there are a couple of books um, I can suggest. Uh, one is Policing Black Lives um, by, I want to say it's Robin Maynard, um, and The Skin We're In by Desmond Cole. Um, I think that those are really accessible starting points, um, even if you're not coming in with a ton of background. Uh, they are good read in the sense that, that you can digest the information because of the way it's presented. Um, at least that was my takeaway. And from there, um, both of the authors uh, do a good job of referring to seminal texts and concepts. So they, they really are a starting point. Um, but but I think uh, it, it also can be, um, if, if anyone's having kind of difficulty with the, the concept of, you know, police as a danger to society and, and how do we reconcile with that and what does that mean and what are the alternatives, um, th this at least explains why it's an issue beyond the, the videos and um, kind of the even the way this is being covered, um, and I'm speaking about the, pro the protests more generally, like there's, um, I think, criticism to be found there in, in what is getting airtime and how are the clashes being described. Um, you know, there's this tweet by the New York Times, and they use the passive voice twice uh, with respect to violence caused by police and then active voice when it was um, a protester who was causing the harm. So even just very subtle things like that, um, you know, you start to pick up on it more. And there, there's so much talk of free speech and free ideas, um, but, but, you know, not, there's forces working behind the scenes to curtail what we actually hear. So as Harrison mentioned earlier, it is, Wednesday the 3rd. Um, obviously, yesterday was Blackout Tuesday, and uh, um, there was a relatively huge showing of solidarity on Tuesday in support of the uh, the Black Lives Matter movement. But, you know, in making sure that the momentum carries forward, um, what, what thoughts do you have in, in terms of any potential policy changes or ways people should help continue furthering a movement towards progress? I think, I mean, Blackout Tuesday was kind of interesting because um, there were a lot of people who took part, which I think shows that there is uh, interest in this issue and, and hopefully something that can be sustained longer term. Um, but the posting of Black Squares was also criticized because the practical effect was it drowned out hashtags that activists on, on the ground were using and you end up scrolling through what looks like a censored feed. Um, so I, I think that that's actually a good um, thing for people to think critically about um, and, and kind of going forward, you know, mute yourself by listening to others and uplifting voices and getting 
a range of information, triangulating that information, not relying on a single source, um, and, and thinking critically. Um, and I think that that's something that, that people um, hopefully take from uh, what's been going on and, and what they carry forward into their lives. That's a great point because for so many people, they get one source of news or they'll look to one avenue versus when we look at Twitter or when we look at social media and you have basically the footage of everyone who's on the ground and is able to film in real time or even tweet in real time about what's going on. And you can see just um, many more perspectives than what might be shown on the news later on, which may have its own slant. Karima, I'd like to, as much as we could go on on this forever, um, unfortunately, we don't have forever and, and we'd like to try to get to know you a little bit better and, and get back to some of the um, more, if you will, indulge the more up, uplifting things about what's been going on in the last little while. Let's, let's take it back to, to pre-George Floyd and pre-Regis. Um, I know that from your Twitter bio, you are a, a pro wrestling aficionado. Yeah, this is, this is true, yes. <laughs> so are we talking current wrestling or are we talking like 90s wrestling with Hulk Hogan? Both. Um, I, it's not really something um, personally I've grown out of. Um, although now I will say my taste has um, uh, maybe is a bit more refined. Um, so I will still watch WWE, but um, I, I take in sort of other companies as well. Who's your favorite of like all time favorite, aside from Dwayne The Rock Johnson, who's obviously the biggest beauty of all time? Actually, without a second's hesitation, Chris Jericho, um, who is from Winnipeg, Canada, so supporting the, the you know fellow countrymen, um, he yeah. is he's the most amazing. Um, I place him even above The Rock for myself, um, okay. but but Rocky is a close second. Yeah, <laughs> we had a family dog when I was younger who was named after Stone Cold Steve Austin. So my brother was obsessed with Stone Cold Steve Austin and Austin Powers. The movie had just come out. And so we named the dog Austin, which killed two birds with one stone. It's a nice quantum entanglement there. Yeah, it worked out very well. <laughs> Definitely better than screaming stone cold in a dog park if you're trying to get him to come back to you. He was a very good dog. <laughs> and so I, I must admit, I don't watch wrestling. So I'm, I have to assume wrestling currently isn't live right now. So have you been um, watching any other sort of TV shows or, or movies or keeping busy some other way other than actually just sitting and watching Netflix like I do? Well, so it's not live, but they are still recording. Um, there are currently no fans in the stadiums, um, which makes for a very different dynamic and I think is interesting for watching the performers try to adapt to that um, because a lot of the time you're playing off of the crowd and there are things that you can do for like, a cheap reaction, make fun of the local sports team, whatever. Um, but those options don't exist right now. So they really have to tap into um, the performance uh, side of, of what they're doing. Um, and yeah, just the world of wrestling has been weird because Florida declared it essential. And then Vince McMahon was named, uh, you know, part of this team that's going to reopen America with Donald Trump and, Linda McMahon made all sorts of campaign contributions. So it's kind of a problematic uh, genre, I guess. Um, but as far as other things, 
I've, I've been watching. I, I'm one of those people who falls back to kind of the old classics. Uh, I'm not great at watching new things. Um, so I, I, I rewatched The Office and there is a murder mystery on Netflix. Um, it's in Spanish, so you have to be open to subtitles. Um, but it's like turn of the period and so juicy. Every episode was very exciting. Grand Hotel. I, I highly recommend it. I am in full support of an office rewatch at all times. Like every time I finish a new show, I'm just like, we could try something new or we could just go back and rewatch The Office. Like, you know, it's going to be great. This time I was like really pausing and like looking at the charts in the background because like they're really funny. So there's all sorts of things that, um, yeah, you, you don't pick up on, I guess. Or, or maybe people are sharper than me and do pick up on it. Um, but like hidden jokes, Easter eggs. I've seen a couple of those. I follow some like Instagram accounts that have, that are dedicated to the office and they will zoom in on something that's in the background that I never would have caught otherwise. So I definitely am, am interested in that. I'm not a huge TV person generally. So this is like one of the few shows where I understand the pop culture references. Um, so I cling to it very dearly. <laughs> And so if you're not a big TV person, what, what sort of things do you do that occupy your time outside of work? Outside of work is an interesting concept. Um, I really appreciate the optimism in that question. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe it's a leading question. Maybe it should have been, if you have time and there are areas that are not part of the intersection of, you know, housing disputes, criminality, and marijuana and all of the ways that bleeds into other parts of life. Is there something you do as sort of to turn your mind off and just something mundane or fun? <laughs> or do you find that fun? I mean, who knows? I find cooking stressful, so who knows? <laughs> um, part of how I ended up in these practice areas is that I don't like find it work to read about this kind of stuff. So I mean, I would be lying if I said that, you know, it was what I do for fun, but I also have some fun with the work that I do. Um, and, and right now is kind of hard to do a lot of things like, so I, I don't know. Um, I don't know. And, and that like the, the time off has given some pause for introspection and sort of what are my 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 leisurely activities um my cats uh, have been a, a great source of comfort <laughs> and i can see because we're, we're doing this chat on zoom i can see you have quite a bookcase behind you are there any of those books that you're reading now are, are you someone who reads one book at a time or do you sort of tear through a couple i am the tear through a couple um even worse like i'll get through one most of the way and then uh, my my attention strays, so I'm not very loyal. Um, what have I been reading lately? Um, a Mind Spread Out on the Ground by Alicia Elliott um, is is something that I'm I'm currently um, going through for the second time, um, and and she's another author who just is so skilled at taking kind of an anecdotal experience and then tying it into bigger concepts. Um, so that's a really great read. Um, I also have A Devil Wears Prada um, that I'm reading. And 
surprisingly is like it's quite different from the movie and it might be one of the rare cases that I like the movie plot a little bit more um but I don't know I haven't I haven't decided yet and they might need to rewatch the movie so thank you so much for for spending some time with us this afternoon I really appreciate it it's been great to chat with you after following you on twitter for all these years um I should give your twitter handle to our listeners it's karma or karima excuse me rules c-a-r-y-m-a rules r-u-l-e-s correct you got it uh and just you know in case the law society is listening i did not mean it as a superlative i originally planned to post a list of karima's rules for life um and then didn't follow through with the concept but it is not uh offside marketing Perfect. I'm sure they are listening to this because we are going to be attracting a, an international audience before long. Including the international body that is the Law Society of Ontario. Yeah. <laughs> and one thing we wanted to note, um, again, our, our next episode is uh, with Eden Dales. And we recorded that last week. Um, so originally we were going to air it this week, but um, given the events that have been unfolding um, over the last week, it was really important to, to sort of speak on the issues we talked about today, um, particularly what's been what's been going on in, in the states and the solidarity movements in Toronto. So the the next episode with Eden Dales was recorded towards the end of May, and um, so just to keep that in mind for for whomever is listening for our next podcast, and that one is. Um, having already done it, I can advise it, it's a great podcast and Eden speaks a lot about uh, what it was like um, working um, within the hospital context in 9-11 and working within trauma. And that, again, is is really topical when we consider um, what everyone's going through with, with COVID and, and even more so now in terms of the, the traumas playing out um, with respect to the, the protests and what's happening there which is a very long-winded way of saying thank you again, Karima, for being here uh, with us today. And for everyone listening, thanks for listening. And we'll have you listening to us again with Eden Dale. Thank you. Have a good day, everybody.